each week. Um, so we are kicking off a brand new message series this week, and, and when we do that, um, I need Deanna to come up here. Uh, Deanna Halpin, why don't you come up here and uh, just have a seat right here, this chair I picked out especially for you. Go ahead and just, uh, just sit there. So, I know, you're, you're good. Uh, this is part of Deanna's um, uh, job description, and so that's why she's, uh, she's here. So we're kicking off this new series called When Life Gives You, and, and you can fill in the banks probably, right? When life gives you challenges and problems and pain and discouragement and disappointment and struggle, we call those things lemons, right? When life gives you lemons, um, and so to set the stage for that this morning, I've um, prepared a few things and will be preparing a, a, a few things. And so um, we talk about that, that statement. What do we say? When life gives you lemons, make lemonade. That's right. So we're going to make some lemonade this morning. And uh, I am not emerald, although I can go bam and wow and whatever, just like he did. Um, so anyway, that's my trash bowl right there. And, but I noticed that when you do a cooking show, you always have some people sitting close to the table, uh, right? And then you're going to make stuff, and then you let them taste it uh, and see how good it is. And so Deanna this morning has volunteered graciously to be my uh, t- taster. <laughs> uh, okay, so um, uh, the, 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 as we kick off this series... When life gives you lemons, uh, I thought it would be good just to make some lemonade this morning and give you a really a picture of what it looks like. And so for the purposes of this, um, um, for this, uh, whatever this is, object lesson, uh, each of these things is going to represent something. And so I have here uh, just a picture of, of water. If I were a magician, you could see that it's just, it's just water. And um, water is a pretty neutral substance, right? I mean, it just, it's just water. We use it to cook and, and we use it clean and different things. It's very uh, versatile. We use it for a lot of different things. Water conforms to whatever shape it is put in, right? So you, you put it in a glass pitcher like this and it fills a glass pitcher and it takes that shape. So water conforms to the things that are around it, the place that it's put into it. It's, it's highly versatile, and yet water is um, easily affected by outside influences. And, and so what I mean by that is if you take water and you put it in a pan and you put it to heat, it boils, right? It changes, it boils, it comes in steam. If you take that same water and you put it in the freezer, it freezes, it becomes ice. And so while water can be used for a bunch of different things, it is really affected by the stuff that is around it. Um, and, and so we could really say that, that water uh, just goes with the flow. Right? Like water just is, is, is water, it's just there. We use it all the time. In fact, most of the time, everything we cook just about takes a little bit of water. And so you and I in, in this object lesson are represented by the water. And, and, and we're well, the water because we're kind of there, and things that are on the outside of us affect us very deeply. Stuff that goes on in our lives that happens affects us, whether it's good or it's bad. And so just like water, we can just kind of be neutral and we can be there, but we're easily affected by outside influences. But to make lemonade, you also have to have lemons. And um, if you... 
buy a car, right? I don't know if you've ever bought a car that's been a lemon, but cars can be lemons, and a lot of states even have lemon laws, right? They protect us when uh, we buy a car and it doesn't work right, and so we can take it back and we don't have to deal with it. In fact, everything that is bad and awful and stinky in our lives is often referred to as lemons. And I don't know, lemons probably get a bad rap because of that. I, I, I don't know, but I think, um, I think those things are referred to as lemons because they kind of do to our life what lemons do um, to our face, right? Like when you eat a lemon, it's, it's, not, um, it's not very pleasant. In fact, uh, on the screen, uh, I'll show you what happens when you eat a lemon, we had a few people uh, volunteer. Pam didn't eat a lemon. That's just uh, her face. That's not true. Oh, there's, that's a good one. There's, uh, yeah, Linda. Yeah. Amber loves lemon. And uh, I want you to know that that was Amber's idea to get her daughters to uh, eat the lemon. That was not my idea. I'm not a torture person. I don't do that usually. Pretty much anything that leaves a bad taste in our mouths is referred to as, uh, as a lemon. And so this morning, I, I want to uh, give these lemons a name. So uh, we know that challenges and frustrations and, and troubles that come into our lives, we call them, we call them lemons. But I want to know if you've had a lemon that's happened in your life or in the life of somebody you know, something bad that's happened, um, what would that be? What would we call lemons? If we were going to name these lemons this morning, what would we name them? What would you call them? What's going on? Just shout it out. Money? Yeah. Finances can be a lemon, right? We can have financial trouble. And... <laughs> that's <laughs> We're past him. <laughs> Woo! What? Weather. Yeah, yeah. If you've had a basement that has flooded uh, recently or anything, yeah, you probably have weather. What other kind of lemons do we have? Yeah, health. Yeah. Nobody wants to say it because uh, your families are here, but relationships can be lemons too, right? Sometimes. Problems in our marriages, with our kids, our families, that can become lemons. I know what's going to happen to these lemons, and so I'm making sure that I get a really good ones for you, Deanna. You're welcome. Yeah, yesterday. Uh, lemons, by the way, have really uh, incredible cleaning powers. Or is that oranges? I don't know. Oh, that was a good one. was Deanna probably. Okay, we don't have a lot of water there, so you think that's enough lemons, Deanna? <laughs> um, so there are these challenges and frustrations and problems and pains that come into our, um, come into our lives. And, and what we would really like to see happen is that when these things come into our lives, that we would be able to um, handle them, Right? Like that when challenges frustrating, when maybe we lose a job or there's an issue with our family, that, that we would just be able to handle them. We'd be able to overcome those uh, lemon things that happened. But, but that's not usually the case. Look at how nice I am for straining the, uh, 
pulp out of the lemons just for you. I don't like pulp. Come on. So we always think that we're strong enough to handle the struggles that come in our lives. But, but the reality is that um, you and I, on our own, are not strong enough to handle these things. In fact, most of us would rather just run from our problems than, uh, than face them, right? Like nobody wants to have struggles and problems and things come in their lives. Nobody wants to deal with a broken down car or a relationship. Um, and, and so we really think that we can handle these things when they come. And so often what happens is that these problems and challenges come and, and we think the water of our lives is going to overtake those. But let's see what happens. Go ahead, Deanna. Take a drink. Yes. Did I get enough lemon in there? That's good. Okay. That representative of the challenges and frustrations and struggles that we face in our life. Okay. That's good. This is why our relationship with Jesus is, um, is so important. Because when struggles come, we have somebody to help us. We have somebody who's stronger than we are to help us. And so I'm going to add a little bit of Jesus in here, a little bit of God in here. Look, it's just clear. It's, it's fine. We're gonna make, we need, that was a lot of struggle. We need a lot of God, right? We're not strong enough to face the struggles of our life on our own. We need help, and specifically, we need the help of the Holy Spirit. Because when we partner with God, He does something to the lemons in our lives that are pretty incredible. See, God doesn't keep the lemons from coming. God doesn't keep the lemons from coming into our lives. They come anyway. He just uses the lemons to grow us into something that is much, much better. Good. Oh, okay, good. That's perfect, yes. See, God doesn't eliminate the lemons from our lives but he mitigates the negative effects of the lemons so that after the challenges and through the struggles and because of the pain, we're actually better than we were before. Deanna, thanks for your help this morning. See, when God is a part of your life, lemons don't have to be feared. Lemons can actually be lessons that grow us into the person God is crafting us to be. And we don't get to do that on our own. We try. We try to deal with the struggles in our lives and the pain and the challenges in our lives. But we have a difficulty doing that. And so we need God to come and be involved in our lives. And he takes those struggles that we can't overcome. And he gives us the strength to overpower those and overcome those. Listen to what uh, Paul says in Romans chapter 5. He says, therefore, you remember uh, Terry last week said something important. He said, whenever you're reading the Bible and you see the word therefore, you have to ask what it's there for. This is a little mnemonic device for you. So if you read the word therefore, you've got to go, okay, what's this therefore? And then you've got to look and see what happened before the word therefore. 
And the answer in this case um, is from chapter 4, which is a whole chapter that Paul writes about the faith of Abraham. Now, Abraham was the father of the Jewish nation. So the entire nation of Israel today came from one man, Abraham. And the important thing about Abraham is that when Abraham began to have children, he was 100 years old, and his wife was, I think, 99. They were old. They were like past the child-rearing age. And so when God came and said, you're going to have a son, and he's going to become, uh, uh, from him, uh, through him, your children are going to number the sand on the seashore. It's going to be more than you can count. Abraham had to have faith that God was going to do what God said he was going to do. And so Paul, in verse 4 of uh, Romans, he lists all of these things, all of these ways that Abraham had faith in God, how he put his hope in God, how he trusted what God had to say. And he says, therefore, since we have been justified, just like Abraham, through our faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. This is important because Paul faced one challenge after another in his life. And, and, and he should give us hope. Just his life should give us hope right after the bat, uh, right off the bat. Because what he says is, we have been justified by faith, and we have this peace now with God that comes through Jesus. There's a huge statement, because Jesus died, and he lived, or lived, and he died, and he lives again. Those who have faith in Jesus receive two important gifts. The first thing we receive through Jesus is the gift of justification. Now, this means that Jesus defends our position before God. So we have the right to stand before God and be accepted by him, not because of our goodness, not because of the faith of our mother or our grandmother, not because of our community involvement or our church attendance, not because of our offering totals. We have the ability to stand before God because of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. And our belief that Jesus really did do what the Bible tells us he did. That song that the band just played. We believe. We have the ability to stand before God justified because of our faith in Jesus. That's the first gift we get. The second gift we get is the gift of peace. We live in a world that is not at peace, right? It won't take you long to think of ways that we're not at peace. North Korea, Iran, Iraq, now Mexico. There are struggles in our families. There is a lack of peace in our marriages and in our workplaces. There's racial tension and gender bias and and pro-life versus pro-choice. But if you believe in Jesus and what he did for you on the cross and in the tomb, you have peace with God. Even in the midst of your sin and struggle, there is peace with God through faith in Jesus. And so we can stand before God justified, and because we're justified not by the good things that we do, but by the good sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, we can have peace with God even in the midst of our struggle and our sin. And it's because of Jesus that we stand before God, not in guilt, which our sin deserves, but we stand before God in grace. So today, you need to understand this. 
That if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you don't have peace with God. The only way to be justified to be before God, the only way to receive that gift of justification and peace is through faith in Jesus. It's not your good deeds. It's not how many shirts you've given to those who needed a shirt. I don't know why that's a thing we say. He'll give the shirt off his back. How many have ever actually done that? It's a pretty small number probably. But that's how we say, there's a good person, but it's not about the good deeds that you do. It has nothing to do with how often your mom or your grandma attended church. It doesn't matter how much money you give or how close you sit to the front. Sorry, front sitters. Um, What matters is this. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of the living God? And is He your personal Lord and Savior? Good. But if you're unsure this morning, about the answer to that question. If you're like, yeah, maybe, but, or I'm not really sure, we want to help you. You can go on your mobile device to reallifecc.us forward slash I'm ready. If you don't want to put the forward slash in, just go to reallifecc.us, click on next steps. At the very top, it says, I'm ready. Click on that. And there's a bunch of information on that page about how to start your life of faith. How to take those first steps of of believing and confessing and and, and being baptized and and what that means and how to do it. And and then at the bottom, there's a form that you can fill out so we can help you take the next steps in your life. But if you've never made that decision, if you don't know if you're justified before God through Jesus, if you don't feel like there's peace between you and between God, then go to that page and look at that stuff and let us know where you're at, okay? Because the first step in turning lemons into lemonade is having the help of the only one who's stronger than your struggles, Paul's setting the stage for his next big truth in Romans 5. Because he knows that the only way to handle the struggles that come in our lives is to know the one who's stronger than those struggles. And that's why he can say what he does in, in verse 3 and following. Here's what he says and continues in verse, or chapter 5. He says, not only do we get to stand before God justified, we're, we're also able to glory in our suffering. We can stand before God justified and we're like, yay, through the cross, right? But then he says, we can glory in our sufferings. And and I'm like, "Uh, wait a minute. I don't know anybody who's excited when suffering comes. I don't know anybody who when the tire is flat, when you go out in the morning and you got to go to work and you're late, goes, yay, woohoo, the car broke down. Yay, my marriage is on the rocks. This is awesome. Yay, my kids hate me and don't listen to me. I love this. Nobody gets excited about the struggles that happen in their life. Nobody glories in suffering. We cringe and we cry out to God and we run. But nobody glories when struggles come. When lemons get dumped into our lives, um, it makes our lives bitter not better. We lose hope in the midst of that hurt. But when we have a relationship with Jesus, Paul says that we have the ability to glory in our sufferings because of what he says next. He says, because we know, we know 
that sufferings produce perseverance. And that perseverance brings character. And character leads to hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. We can glory in our suffering because we know that suffering is not for nothing. And that's really how we get through most things in our lives, right? If we believed that whatever was coming into our life was going to last forever, we'd give up. That would be the end. Take me out. I'm done. The only way we get through those things in our lives is because we believe it's going to get better. When you're in a job and you don't like it, but you stay, you're having problems and there's coworker issues, why do we stay? Part of the reason we stay is because I think it might get better. That guy might get fired. I might get a promotion. This might be better. And so we stay. We stay in relationships. We say, like, this might be better. This could be better. And so I'm going to stick it out a little bit longer. But if we lose hope, we give up. And we just walk away. Let me say it this way. Suffering is not for nothing. God uses lemons to grow us. That's really what he's talking about. We can glory in our suffering because we know that God uses our suffering. He uses the lemons in our life to grow us. When I began training for the Oklahoma City Memorial Marathon in 2011... I literally could not jog, just jog, a 5K on the treadmill without stopping multiple times to walk and catch my breath. Now, I say that and you go, oh yeah, you just ran a marathon, easy. No, no. I'm talking like I had to stop in the first mile to walk because I was too tired to keep going. And so I would jog a little bit, and then I'd walk. And what I noticed after time is that my walks were always much longer than my jogs, which was very sad, because you know if you've ever been on the treadmill, you think, I'll just slow down for a minute. I'll just catch my breath, and it'll be okay. And then that little minute turns into like five minutes or ten minutes, and then you're done, and you go, oh man, I walked almost the whole 5K. Woohoo! Um, but something happened. On the treadmill, as I kept going and kept following the regimen of the, of the interval training and the, uh, the, the, the weekly uh, steady runs and then the week uh, long runs, something happened. The harder the suffering on the treadmill or out on the road, the harder I was able to push myself later. And so when I suffered through the aches and the pains of that training in the early days, I learned that very quickly I could, I could run farther. I could run faster. In fact, it didn't take about, but about a week or two maybe before I could get on the treadmill and I could full jog that full 5K without stopping. And I followed the regimen and I suffered through those long hours uh, in the gym and out on the road. I got stronger. I didn't get weaker. And God used those things in, in, in my life, a physical body, to make us stronger. And we always think, I think physically, we're like, I'll never be able to do that. But our bodies have this incredible ability that the more pressure we put them under, the greater they produce for us. 
So we're able to go farther. We're able to go longer. We have greater energy, greater stamina. We're able to do incredible things. And so a few weeks before the marathon, I was able to go out and run 21 miles in a 25 mile an hour headwind. That's not really true. I only ran uh, 10 and a half miles in a 25 mile an hour headwind. I did turn around and come back. And the wind was behind me. But by that time, I was so exhausted it didn't matter. <laughs> and a couple weeks later, I went down to Oklahoma City and Trevor and I ran the marathon 26.2 uh, miles. I don't talk about Trevor's running the marathon very much because he hardly trained at all. Of course, he was 12 or something. I don't know. Uh, hardly trained at all and beat me by like 20 minutes, 30 minutes. I don't remember. Suffering produces perseverance, whether that's physical bodies or in our spiritual, emotional lives, suffering produces perseverance. And as we persevere, we build character, right? And it wasn't just about being on the treadmill, it was about the mental uh, strength that it took to go in every day and to do the training that needed to be done. And sometimes our lives, it's just about the strength to get up in the morning and face the day when we're absolutely sure that it's going to be horrible. Character allows us to do that. The character that is built when we learn perseverance says get up and, and go. And that character that we build in our lives then leads to hope. How we deal with the ups and downs. and Most importantly, we're learning that, that no matter how great the suffering. There was always greater strength to be gained from God. See, every one of us has suffered. We've suffered loss. We've suffered heartache. We've, we've suffered breakdowns and we've suffered breakups. We've suffered financially. We've suffered relationally. We've suffered emotionally and physically. But no one in this room has suffered completely. We think we have. And there are times maybe in your life where you thought, I can't give anymore. It can't get any worse. I'll never be out of this hole. I'll always be in this position. And when suffering comes, that's how we think, right? We think, in these, we think in these terms that it'll never get better and it'll never improve. We haven't suffered completely. And that means that even though the suffering you've endured was painful, and frustrating, and you ask God why, you were actually growing instead of drowning, like you probably thought. Think about that for a minute. The things and the areas in your life where you've suffered, and you thought you were drowning, right? You thought, I'm not going to make it. Maybe you even cried out to God, like, God, this is, this is it. I'm going under. And God's like, no, you're not drowning. You're growing, you're getting stronger. You're building perseverance. You're, you're growing in character. And pretty soon hope is going to come. Because like it or, or not, without the struggles in our lives, there are no next steps for us to take. Because it's not the times of joy and peace and plenty that grow us. It's the times of pain and hurt and trouble. As you notice um, in the list that he gives, um, that, that, that we're to, uh, uh, how we're supposed to handle these struggles that come in our lives, right? The last thing he says is hope. Hope 
comes after perseverance and after character. And I was wondering about that. Because we would often say, what's the most important thing when we're going through trials and struggles and, and we feel like we're drowning? Hope, right? Hope is what saves us. Hope is what keeps us alive. Hope is how we endure those things in our lives. And so I'm like, why does Paul put hope at the end? Why isn't hope first? Here's what I realized. Hope doesn't start at your hurt. And it doesn't start at your happy. Hope starts when you begin to heal. Let me explain that a little bit. When things are going well and, and, and you're happy in your life, there's no need for hope, right? When you have everything you want, when, when, when your marriage, you feel like your marriage, your relationships are stable, the kids are doing well, you've got a little money in the bank, the car's running and not dying, the basement isn't flooded, you feel good about life. When things are going well, when you're happy with your life, there's no need for hope. When hurt comes into our lives, though, we don't hope either. Because we're too busy being angry and confused. And going, God, why? I thought I was doing what I was supposed to. How come you're doing this to me? I went to church last Sunday. Why would you allow this to happen? And so when hurt comes in our lives, we don't hope either because we're too busy, busy trying to deal with that, that suffering or that hurt in, in our lives. And we're not taking the time to hope. We're not looking at how things could be better. We're, we're, we're frustrated and we're dwelling on how bad they are right now. But as perseverance and character develop through our suffering, then we begin to hope. It's after we've dealt with some of those struggles for a little bit. It's after we've had the hurt for a little bit and we've wrestled with it for a little bit. And, and, and then we're, we start to go, oh, okay, maybe this, is, maybe this is going away. Then the hope begins to build. And we go, okay, it's going to be better. Tomorrow's going to be better. Next week's going to be better. Next month's going to be better. A couple weeks ago, we talked about the Apostle Paul being stoned to death outside the city of Lystra. You remember that? He, he was writing to Timothy. We were in, I think, 2 Timothy, and he was writing to Timothy. And, and he said, you know what happened to me when I was in Antioch and Iconium and Lystra. You know the persecutions that I faced. And then he says, you know that God or the Lord rescued me. And we talked about how what actually happened was that Paul died, most likely, my opinion. Paul died in Lystra. He was taken outside of the city. He was stoned. They believed he was dead. And so they, went, they left him and they went back in the city. They went back home. Paul, Paul says, God rescued me. But God didn't rescue Paul from persecution. We said what God rescued Paul from was permanence. Paul came to realize that nothing in this life was permanent, including his suffering. Nothing was permanent except the love of God in Christ Jesus. And so what that means is, because Paul realized that he was saved from the permanence of this life, the permanence of these struggles, the permanence of his heartache, he learned that there was hope in God. God was going to bring a better day. What gives us hope is that through our suffering, God shows his great love for us by giving us strength to endure that suffering through His Spirit. And so our suffering doesn't, doesn't cause us to feel shame, but it inspires hope 
that just as God hasn't abandoned us in this life, He will certainly not abandon us in the next. Look, if you've suffered, I hope you know Jesus. Because when you suffer with Jesus, you'll know two things for sure. That you will never suffer as completely as He did. And I think that's a pretty important thing to remember. Jesus went to the cross. He endured some horrible things at the hands of of horrible people. We will never suffer as completely as Jesus did. The second thing we know for sure is that we will always have more strength from Him than our struggle takes from us. Sometimes in the middle of those struggles and those things that are coming in our lives, we, we feel like we're drowning. We feel like we've lost the strength to deal with whatever the problem is. But when we go through those things with Jesus, His strength will always be greater than our struggle. If you're going through a difficult time today, perhaps God is encouraging you to look at your challenges the way He does. Not as sufferings, but as strengthenings. Perhaps you can ask God this, God, how would you like me to grow through what I have to go through? God, what is it that you're doing in my life through the suffering? Look, the Bible tells us that suffering will come. The lemons get dumped into our water and it just happens. It's a part of life. It's a part of living on this planet. But we have the ability to go to God and go, God, how would you have me deal with these lemons? They're coming. How would you have me deal with them? What do you want to do in my life through this struggle, through this pain, through this difficulty? See your challenges as a chance to change for the better. Look, lemons are coming. Lemons are coming in your life. Hooray. And they're coming in my life. And they're even coming to us as a church. And here's how come I know. Satan is not happy that we've had a 17% increase in attendance so far this year over last year. More people coming, more people being involved, more people serving than before. And Satan doesn't like it. And, and so we got we to gotta gear up, right? Ephesians says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And the lemons are going to come in your life and they're going to come to us as a church. So what do we do? We anticipate suffering. We know it's going to come. Like what always surprises me is how surprised I am when suffering comes into my life. Because it shouldn't surprise us. When it happens, we should just go, okay, this is part of life. We live in a planet full of sin that's decaying and dying, and and this is part of what we deal with, and okay, let's go. So let's anticipate suffering. Let's prepare for it. Let's get ready. Let's, Let's not lose our spiritual fervor when things are going good. Let's continue in our Bible and reading and praying when things are going good so that when those struggles come, we can be prepared for it. And then when they come, let's decide to grow through those things. Let's grow through them instead of giving in to them. 
Let's let God give us the strength to turn lemons from Satan into lemonade. And, and, and what happens is that we get to see then that others can see Jesus through our suffering. So there's this beautiful thing about lemonade. Lemons make the water of our lives bitter. But when we add God's Spirit, it makes that bitterness better. And when we give that to other people, when we allow them to see how God is working through the suffering in our lives, it leaves a better taste in their mouth because they get to go, man, you're dealing with this suffering in a way that I don't think I could. How are you doing it? And we get the opportunity to say, because it's not my strength, <laughs> it's my suffering, but it's God's strength that helps me deal with that. I, I want to wrap up just with this. Uh, the band is going to come and they're going to play a little bit of a song, but, but before they do that, I want to share a little bit, for, uh, a clip from, um, I think it's the pilot episode of the show, this is us. Watch this. Rebecca's vitals are good. She's going to be asleep for a little while, but she's doing fine. We're monitoring her closely. Okay. We lost the third baby, Jack. I'm, I'm very sorry. The, uh... Second baby is a girl, very strong. The third baby was a little boy, but the uh, umbilical cord was cutting off his oxygen. He was stillborn. Nothing anybody could have done. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not processing anything. My wife is fine. And she'll be awake pretty soon. You have two beautiful, healthy children, Jack. Boy and a girl. But we did lose the third child. I need to be with my wife. And you will be. But she needs to sleep now. But soon. You just sit down. Sit. Sit. Okay, if I keep you company a second. Yeah. Okay, if I try and say something meaningful. Yeah. I lost my wife last year, cancer. It's the reason I still work so much at my age trying to pass the time. <laughs> we were married 53 years. Five children, 11 grandkids. But we lost our very first child during the delivery. The reason I went into this field, truth be told, I have spent five decades delivering babies, more babies than I can count. But there is not a single day that goes by that I don't think 
of the child I lost. And I'm an old man now. I like to think that because of the child that I lost, because of the path that that he sent me on, that I have saved countless other babies. I like to think that maybe one day you'll be an old man like me. Talking a younger man's ear off, explaining to him how you took the sourest lemon that life has to offer and turned it into something resembling lemonade. If you can do that, then you will still be taking three babies home from this hospital. Maybe not the way you planned. I don't know if that was meaningful or senile, but I thought it ought to be said. Your wife will still be asleep for a little while. Go see your babies. They're excited to meet their father. I think maybe they got a good one.